0: So, we discussed to some extent about Kamsa and how he brought so many other persons under his influence. Not only demonic persons he brought under his influence, who became part of his gang of hoodlums, but uh, also pious people were under his influence in the sense that he he ruled over them. His own his own father, saying who was pious and, and a devotee, Basudev and Debaki, who were devotees, they they came under his influence, imprisoned as they were, and it was quite a tyrant. And um, his rule was really a a reign of terror, and even the nearby. And while he resided in Mathura, the various suburbs and villages and whatnot were all paying tribute to him, paying taxes to him. And so it happened that after Krishna had been born and was taken to Gokul by Mm -hmm. Vasudeva, and exchanged for the daughter of Dishoda. Of course, as we know, first a son was born to Dishoda. And then, like uh, the shadow, one shadow follows a person wherever they go. A daughter, like, attached to Christian, like the shadow, followed. But in the joy of the birth, of the son, which is what everyone was wanted—a a son who would be the heir to the throne of the cowherds. Um, celebrations ensued, and so forth. And the maternity ward was was closed. And Mother Soda dozed off, and and that, for that matter, by the arrangement of that shadow of a girl that follows Krishna wherever he goes, with the name of Yogamaya. So. When Vasudeva came, he only saw the daughter, exchanged the son for the daughter. And Devaki Nandan, Krishna, who is the son of Devaki, who is, a, is an expansion of Yushodanandan, Swayam Bhagavan Krishna, technical, theological point. Most of you are probably familiar with this, but Krishna of Vrindavan, he is the original Krishna. And then there are many different expansions. Of the Lord. So Vasudev Krishna of Dwarka is one such expansion. And he merged back then into Nandanandan Krishna, Nandan Krishna. And the child was taken, the daughter was taken to Mathura. And then it was announced to Kamsa that a daughter had been born, which would have been the eighth son. Six sons were born and one appeared to be a miscarriage who was Balaram, who had entered the womb of Devaki to make preparations for Krishna's appearance. This is that personality of Godhead, as Prabhupada like to call him, servitor, Balaram, Nitanandaram, who was involved in every aspect of service to Bhagavan Krishna Agor in Chaitanya Lila. And then he was transferred to the womb of Rohini and took his birth secretly there in the brudge and so the announcement that that the eighth child of devaki was a daughter came to the attention of kamsa and he immediately came there with his sword to kill that particular child and himself not waiting for vasudev to bring the son to him or um, of course he, and by this time he had been kept in shackles and, and chains and so forth, so only at the time of the first child did he actually come forward and volunteer to offer the child, which was refused at the time by Kamsa. Not, I don't have to worry, you're a good man, and he gave you gave your word, and it was to be the eighth, eighth son of Devaki that will, that I have to be concerned about, and so forth. But as I mentioned earlier today, Nard gave him other advice and said, you know, this could be counted in different ways, this eight, you know, who's the eighth, and so forth. And and um, being knowledgeable as he was in a very broad sense, he understood who Kamsa was in his previous life, who these children were, and so on and so forth. So In this way, he he was an impetus for Kamsa to apparently continue his atrocities. But in fact, he was moving forward the pastimes of the Lord uh, such that the advent would 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 come about that much more that much sooner so comes a heading where he went and he went to kill this this girl now he was unsuccessful as you know he dashed her on the ground but she didn't hit the ground She said flew up in the sky manifested so many arms maybe eight arms and different weapons and ornaments and so forth and and she was the first person this young girl in all of the whole kingdom of Kamsa, an extended area of people that were paid tribute to him, and taxed him, all of whom were completely um, intimidated by him and suppressed by him. In the cowherd villagers, where they were paying taxes to the king as well. All his uh, subjects unwillingly, although they may have been. And of all of these people, only this one young girl, the first to stand up to this fellow, tell him off tell him what she thought of him other people had same thoughts but they never said anything <laughs> they didn't voice it uh, this young girl voiced her opinion and told, still your death is uh, who give you bring about your death has already been born and um, and it's interesting to note here of course this was Kali or Yogamaya, maya uh, this Shakti of the Lord who has many different names in many different countries and, uh, worshipped by many different types of people and so forth. But particularly in, uh, in Bengal, this, uh, this Kali is quite popular amongst the Shaktas, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is among the Bhaktas. And there's some opposition often between the two, their conceptions and so forth. But if we study carefully Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we see that really there's, there's no cause for other sects such as the shaktas to be upset with our insistence upon the supremacy of Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. If we study carefully Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we see that not only is there a place for everyone all the gods and goddesses in Gaudiya Vaishnavism as there might be in other religious conceptions a place for Krishna and so forth, but within Gaudiya Vaishnavism they attain a position that's very uh, extraordinary, very glorious more so because the religious conception is so uh, high they attain a position that otherwise in their own tradition the highest position that they are given is not as exalted and glorious as that that they are given in Gaudiya Vaishnavism have to study carefully to appreciate this point. So the opposition, therefore, comes from ignorance of what Bodhi really says about another sex god or goddess. Here's an example of what an exalted position Bhadrakali takes in Krishna Lila. so important. How she stood up against Kamsa, this great oppressor of bhakti, how she to, serves to facilitate bhakti in so many ways. Yes, she can do other things, like Mahadev Shiva can do so many other things for people. But if they, these, this goddess and this god, for example, Devi and, and poverty are approached in light of how they are viewed, understood and realized, their position, their ontological position within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, so much more can be drawn from them. Things that their own devotees, if you will, are, are unaware of. So you should study for yourself, but it is a Gaudiya Vaishnavism is a very broad conception in which everyone finds so much uh, dignity when viewed from the lens of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as they say, all the gods and goddesses, if they hear themselves talked about like that, then they'll be beaming. Their own followers couldn't think of such things, such w- ways in which to compliment them. So Bhadrakali, she stood up to Kamsa and told him, you're already finished. Meanwhile, this was an extraordinary thing to witness and in the prison for Vasudev and and Devaki and one uh, servant of Vasudev who was known to Nanda Maharaj Nanda Maharaj and Vasudev, they were brothers half-brothers so there were times of course before the reign of Kamsa where they could uh, they would meet and socially and so forth and For family events and whatnot, but all this had been uh, hampered by Kamsa's reign of terror, which included the imprisoning of Devaki and Vasudev. Nonetheless, Vasudev managed to get one of his previous assistants word to him about this extraordinary event and sent news to uh, Nanda Maharaj. Because at the time of this event, although the king was Khamsa was certainly terrified by Bhadrakali. He, at the same time, when he was distanced a little bit from the event itself and surrounded by other types of association amongst his gang of hoodlums and so forth, he got some courage, and they encouraged him that because this um, goddess had appeared and made the statement that who will bring about your death is already born, that you should go and make a plan to kill all the children born within this period of time so this gave great concern to Vasudev who had with great effort labor and secrecy in the middle of the night with the help of that daughter's power mystic power escaped from the prison as we said and took took his child and transferred uh, him to brudge now hearing that uh, that Kamsa was going to go on, a, go on a campaign to kill children everywhere he needed he thought out of concern for his son to get word to Nanda Maharaj watch out somehow he had to caution him and not only that he he just want he wanted news of how his whom he thought to be his son Nanda's son to share some parental fatherhood of, of Krishna how his son was faring if everything was alright so the messenger was sent he arrived at Nandamaj's door soaking wet in the middle of the night And awakened to, to to find him there and, and asked for what reason have you come and I have not seen you in some time and I was Vasudeva and, why are you all wet And and so forth and he explained that Things are bad in the Torah. Kamsa's reign is such that in order for me to come here, I, had to, I couldn't come while the sun was up. I had to come in the dark and cross the river by swimming with, with my own arms and legs fully clothed, thus my appearance. Kamsa's eyes were, were everywhere. So it was truly a reign of terror. He had to come in this way, secretly, in the night, swim across the river, arrive at Vasudev's door, and then... So, or Ananda's door, Ananda said, So what, well, well, what is the message? Well, What have you come to tell? He said, A daughter has been born of Vasudev and Devaki. Then Nanda smiled. And then, uh, he said, Well, so then you've brought good news. He said, I'm not finished. And Kamsa came and took the child and threw her on the ground. And then Nanda Marsh interrupted and said, Oh, they, stop don't bring news like this here. Rohini is just in the next next room. If this news, she hears this, how she will be affected. And my own wife has just given birth to a son and actually the motherly affection will be there for Devaki and to hear such a thing. And the messenger said, don't end on finished. The child never reached this floor that went up into the sky and manifested so many arms It spoke like this and so forth. Spoke up and and then challenged Kamsa, called him a fool. There was nothing he could do about it. Again, on, on the marsh brightened up. And so he said, you've come to tell me this. Is there any special message from Vasudeva himself that I have to take note of? And he said, yes, Vasudeva said that he, he as soon as possible these advices that you come to Mathura and smother the king with taxes and gifts and so forth and at that time hopefully we can meet uh, Vasudeva and Anandamarshi and, and two brothers and we can talk more more intimately so he tried to arrange a secret meeting and tried to arrange that Anandamarshi in particular from his coward settlement would pacify this uh, kamsa meanwhile comes who was par- preparing his campaign for killing children and he called upon that uh witch putana putana is a kind of a witch that uh that in modern society we'll think of as kind of superstitious she's like the the, the demoness that presides over miscarriages so in ancient times there were gods and goddesses and ghosts and And witches and demons presiding over all good and inauspicious things in human society. Now we've done away with all of them, with our progress and so forth, through science and and technology and so forth. So they will be viewed as superstitious. And in one sense they are uh, superstitious, certainly when viewed through the lens of modern science. But... We are not very much interested, as we've already talked, about viewing the world through that. We rather would like to view the world through the lens of Nanda Maharaj, or uh, Jashoda Mahiri, Sridam, Sudam, Radha, Lalita, and so forth. This is what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about. To view the lens through this kind of uh, love of Braj, one of the sentiments of Braja this is what the Goswamis have done this is how they they're speaking about reality through that particular lens the world looks like that to them in Krishna Leela all these superstitions what modern society would call superstitions they're fully in in force so sometimes someone like Prabhupada would say something and we should do like this because if you cut your fingernails and you know, and then don't pick up after them, then thieves will come in the night. Or ghosts will come, or something like that. <laughs> these kind of superstitions. They, they they the one hand through one lens they'll be superstitions, but through the ultimate lens to view reality, that of of selflessness and the full giving that the Brajalila is about. Then all these things are in, in vogue. They're all a reality. Do you understand? In Krishna-lila, you'll find all these things. So we should not dismiss them entirely, by any means. We should understand them through the lens of the lila, where we want to enter. They don't, perhaps, have as much value or pertinence uh, to our life viewed as it is through another lens. We're trying to change the prescription on our glasses that we can see through the eyes of love but if you have eyes of love if your eyes are tinged with the salve of love and you look at your chest, what will you see? you will see Sundar. could you see him with the microscope? no Would the greatest heart surgeon find him there? no <laughs> no, not possible but devotees can' find him there. And he says, "I'm there. I'm there and I'm not there," he says. And I'm there in this sense. If you love me, then I'm there in your heart. How can it be otherwise? These stories, with all their impossible facts and and so forth, uh, we, when we we hear hearing about them in such a way as to try to harmonize our heart with our head to think about them in such a way that the head won't get in the way and it will allow our heart what is that valuable thing that is coming in our heart the chance to love Krishna through Sadhu Sangha that it will flourish and grow and we'll actually see the whole world from this uh, vantage point point. and such a beautiful vision it is vision of the Goswamis so charming when Gorka Shirdaz Babaji was in in one village, it's told Shirdar Marush would to tell the story, and some you know he kept himself rather kind of unconcerned about appearances. Gorka Shirdaz Babaji Maharaj, <laughs> he wasn't dressing for the public or for image. Okay. Absorbed as he was within, he had some uh, lack of concern for the outer world. And one day some children were making fun of him and throwing stones at him. How did he view that? Did he run after them and say, stop that? He said, if you don't stop that, I'm going to tell Mother Yashoda. I'm going to report you to her. So he was seeing like this, even ordinary events. This is the vision of the great Mahabhagavata, all in relation to Krishna Lila. Some boys are giving me hard time. I'm just a young girl. They're harassing me. I'm going to report them to Mother Yashoda. She's the queen of the, of, the, of the whole village of Braj. So to see the whole world in this way is such a happy <laughs> vision and so, so safe, you see, fully protected under the shelter of Krishna. It, it, it takes something to go there, no doubt, but it's worth the effort. And this is the kind of logic we have to come to. Our mind, our intelligence has to start to work in this way. The little enthusiasm, a little faith, keep good association, it will grow. We will we, we become interested in Godiva such that our, our head will start to think in relation to Godiva Vaishnavism and find kind of the logic of love to support the budding love and sentiment for Krishna that's developing in our heart. And no apparent inconsistencies with the modern world and so forth and its findings will be able to get in the way of our culture of this. After all, you take your choice. What lens you want to look at the world through. <laughs> if you look, uh, objectively speaking, this Gaudi Vaishnava lens is very, very charming. How it turns the world into something very happy in every respect. Vishwanath said... Vishvam Purnam Sukayate turns the whole universe into a boat boat of happiness. Everything is reaching out, speaking out, saying, Offer me, offer me. When you go into the garden and you find the eggplant, and you hear him say, Offer me today. Mm -hmm. The strawberry says, Pick me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a magical land of Krishna consciousness. There we are told in Braj, everything is alive. Everything is conscious. Viewing the world through the lens of Krishna consciousness gives life to everything. Viewing the world through the lens of our own mind, informed by the senses, takes the life out of everything. It doesn't allow us to see things in relation to Krishna where their full utility can be realized. So it makes for a very small, static, boring existence. And in the con- to the converse, the life of Krishna consciousness is always alive, always exciting, dynamic, fresh. As we said, at every moment to see Krishna, it's like they've never seen him before. Something about something new every time, looking at him. Not every time, but in a, within the same time of looking. You know, the difference in time is only the blinking of the eyes. No, another time. no, another, t- and they're noticing the blinking. We don't notice our blinking. So that means that should tell us we're not seeing something that's that significant, that's that, that that endearing, that charming, that beautiful. Mm-hmm. But we would notice the eyes blinking. Gopis they noticed like this. Mm-hmm. And they cursed Brahma. Such power they had. They cursed the god, creator. What kind of creator are you? What do you know about beauty? You've created eyes that blink. And for that moment we cannot see Krishna. We should try to enter into this. Yes. Yeah, so there's a there's a there are ghosts. Then we will think now we may not. That doesn't mean that we should go and try to f- find them and on the, in a level of what do they call that? Channeling. Hmm. Channeling. Channeling and things like this and and um, and uh, demonstrate that they exist by some type of. I think they have ghost pick cameras and things, and people go to haunted houses, and this type of thing. No, we, we take it to another level. If you want to see the, the, these things as they're discussed in scriptures and so forth, and turn that, get meaning from that myth, give meaning to your life. It has such power to give meaning to your life on such a fundamental level And then within that, if you go deeply, then all these other things take on meaning as as well. All the ghosts and gods and goddesses. So there's like a demoness in charge of miscarriages. And Putana was such, such a, a demoness, a ghostly type of person. And under the influence of Kamsa. She came forward first and volunteered her expertise. Just suitable to the plan of Kamsa and his gang of uh, dacoits, rogues, because they had wanted to kill all the young children born within a certain period, and she was uh, a baby killer. So they sent her out. Now the question uh, remains, how she could enter Brudge in the first place? But Nandamaj had gotten a message from Vasudev, so he made arrangements the next morning, to go to Mathura and he put his brothers in charge he took a couple uh, assistants with him off he went to Mathura to meet to pay taxes to Kamsa he met with his brothers and and he told about the messenger from Vasudeva he asked their advice it was a little bit you know somewhat of a semi consensus management that he ruled with and uh, his brothers gave good advice and they all came to the conclusion is you should follow that advice of Vasudeva and go with smother the king with taxes and talk with Vasudeva and see what he what he has in mind. Vasudeva, although the brother of Nanda Maharaj, was more educated and sophisticated, being a city person and so forth, so they were curious to hear what, what what it was he had in mind, and he had sent a messenger and so forth. So off they went. So father is away from home, and the young child Krishna had just been born, practically. And at this time, Putana came. Now how could you? How could you get there? How could she enter there? After all, it's Vrindavan. and so how could she come and threaten Krishna? Well, actually, the answer is that this yogamaya. Made an arrangement to allow her to enter to facilitate the pastimes of Krishna, and for that matter, by her arrangement, she had been killing young children outside of the bridge, unbeknownst to her, in families where those children were opposed to Krishna through the idea of Krishna consciousness so in a way she was inadvertently un- even unbeknownst to her by the trickery of yogamaya had been doing some some service to Bhagwan so that's how she got in to the brudge and so with all of these demons how otherwise how can they how can they come there it's a safe place so this way she came and she came of course she was quite ugly and uh, matted locks and she was described in different ways in different Puranas and writings of the armies and so forth but not a very becoming lady living as she did on the blood of young children and uh, she had also the power to assume whatever form she liked and you can imagine she had to do this quite often to be in her profession to get inside and steal children from the cradle and so forth going un- unnoticed so she made herself appear like a goddess like a beautiful, uh, eternally youthful woman and this way she she came into the village and the attendants in the house of, of Nanda, Maharaj, Nanda Maharaj was out so they were paying close attention and he had given some warning that there's trouble in the air we've got some news from Dave. he's called me I'm going So keep a careful watch on everything I don't know exactly what's up but this fantastic girl has been born and Kamsa's death has been predicted again now and, and and he's he's doing something, so keep a careful watch. But somehow this girl just Putana just came right through. Because she made herself so beautiful and she appeared so mu- with so much affection for Krishna. So appearances can be deceiving. Rupo Goswami has advised us like this, actually in this Sindhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when Shrikshastakum prayed that his body would be decorated with symptoms of love. When he said, When will there be tears coming from my eyes and my hair standing on end? And when will my voice stammer, choke, choked up when I chant the name of Krishna? This is bhava-bhakti. These are Satvika bhavas transformations of ecstasy appearing on on the body of the devotee to decorate him. These are the real ornaments of devotion. In bhava-bhakti, Rupa Goswami cites from the tantra, a couple of these symptoms will appear in in small degrees from time to time in bhava-bhakti. Bhaktivinoda Thakur comments that these three, in particular, that Mahaprabhu prayed for, tears, hairs standing on end, and choking of the voice, these three will appear in bhava-bhakti and in small measure from time to time. Vishwana Chakravita Thakur has commented in a similar way, but he's also added to that, that such bhava-bhaktas will nonetheless Try to conceal those symptoms. Sri Ramacharya used to say that, that uh, if a tear would come to the eye of Bhakti Siddhanta, Sarasthitaka, we would be very careful to wipe it away very quickly to conceal these symptoms. Love is a very deep thing and mostly internal. As I've said before, it likes to share itself, but it realizes also there are limitations. People cannot always appreciate so it's somewhat of a private affair at the same time these symptoms are not entirely uncommon for example if you get in into a fearful situation and the hairs you can get goosebumps this this means like hair standing on end and if you hear in a particular situ- situation about the loss of someone or you can cry. You can cry out of material joy. You can cry out of material distress and so forth. One can lose one's voice and just have, just have, be speechless like voice choked. These are, as for all, for all, what they're talking about is transformations, material transformations, the cause of them. Now, that is one thing in material life. And another thing, in spiritual life but the dynamics of how they take place are pretty much the same the mechanism and so forth and they can be imitated and some people do imitate them and apparently particularly during the time of bhakti saraswati talkers campaign many people were imitating like this she once told the story of how he had gone uh, to a kirtan at a temple where one famous babaji who so everyone was had to consider to be a Purusha, a perfect devotee, was present, and he said that during the kirtan, then mucus was coming out of his mouth, and and uh, he was shaking and, and and so forth, and as if to appear to be in a very uh, extraordinary state, oblivious to external conditions, and like we hear above Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he went into such ecstasy and praying beyond bhav, where these symptoms, the eight sattvika-bhavs, may all be manifest at once, perhaps, or in that to different degrees. Mahabrabhu experienced the Mahabhav of Radha, where all these symptoms are manifest hundreds of times over, and so, so forth, and the body was contorted, and so much, uh, it was shocking to see transformation couldn't even be identified for, for what he was when the fisherman caught him in his net one night as he had thrown himself in the ocean thinking it was the Jamuna madness. So some extraordinary kinds of symptoms were coming in this his fellow. And Sri Marsh was mentioned that he approached him at this time and he asked him, it was a Gornitai temple, he said, which... Did is Chaitanya Mahapur, which is Nityanthapur. He said, oh, this one is Chaitanya Mahapur, and this one is here, and he spoke to him like this, and Siddha took note. He said, how someone can be in this, and they're all saying he's in he's in the Mahabhav now, and of Radha, and he's tasting this, and how he can be in that state, and then in one moment he's just talking to you like an ordinary person. So he said, I could not take seriously that kind of thing, and I could understand... How my Guru Maharaj had educated us, Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur, to be cautious about all these things. It is not a cheap thing. This was his, his uh, strong emphasis, and people will object to this even to this day, to some extent. But Rupa Swami himself has given a caution, Bhaktirasamrita Sindhu. He says, sometimes these things, people imitate these symptoms. And so, the point here is that they alone are not evidence for advancement in Krishna consciousness. Another thing, they may show up in devotees who don't have love, who are devotees, but who associate with other devotees who have love, and sometimes they may come a little bit. So if you, if you chant Hare Krishna and tears come, then you should be happy that you're blessed with an abbas of bhava. But don't think now I've become a bhava bhakta. Just see, I'm liberated. One time in Los Angeles, Prabhupada was there and we were chanting before Prabhupada and one of my god brothers was, was a big fellow, his name is Brahmananda. He started dancing and he, in his way, he like made one, two steps forward and two steps backward and like this. And other devotees were, were following him. He kind of had to, when he started moving, he was a big, big guy, so he kind of had to move with him. Or get out of the way. So, he was dancing like one, two steps towards the vyasa song, and he had it done, He was a sannyasa, like this, and he two steps back. And, and, uh, Prabhupada looked, and afterwards, Prabhupada said, I saw Brahmananda in the Kirtan. And I thought, he's got the bhav. And then I, then he said, then I knew, oh, it was just a concoction. Not that it was, not, that it, was not that it was bad or anything, but, <laughs> so, that'd be, uh, dancing in Kirtan so the point here is that appearances can be deceiving and this is one of the main lessons that we are to learn from the Putana the killing of Putana this Leela of Krishna she appeared to be not only a devotee but a great devotee she came in everyone allowed her to come in she looked like she had so much devotion for the child that she put Mother Joshoda and Rohini to shame by her performance. She said to them, what's wrong with the two of you? Such a beautiful child, and you're leaving him lying on the bed. Why is he not at your breast at every moment? You're neglecting him. He's sitting on the bed and you're standing here. How can you? You have no love for him. They backed off Oh my, Lakshmi herself, or someone has, has come from heaven and chastising us our, our, that our motherhood is not up to the standard for our son. And they took the chastisement. They, they accepted it. We don't have any love for Krishna. This is the real feeling of the real devotee. I don't have any love for Krishna. Mahaprabhu said, I'm crying, but it's just a show. If I had any real love, how would I go on living? How would I continue my life in separation from him? My tears are just a show. That's all. I don't have any real love. Here's the proof. I go on paying attention to, to everyday needs, eating, cleansing, resting my body. I have concerns for these things. If I had love of Krishna. No, he said. No ganda. There's not a scent of prem can be found in me. Hardly advertising oneself as a great devotee. Here was Putnam, advertising herself. What kind of devotion do you have? You're nothing. I am the (laughs) Ragh-bhakta. I am the Prem-bhakta. Just see my position. Bhaktisaranta Saraswati Thakur had such a wonderful campaign for preaching. Giving Krishna consciousness to people. People complained that he criticized sometimes. But through the first stone and literally when they went on Parakram in braj mandal they stoned his party and in Navadweep also the Smartas they stoned him why because his preaching was unsettling which is what preaching is about hmm? because he focused primarily in in one sense his main thrust was against hypocrisy because the enemy of hypocrisy in the name of devotion. And this Putina very much represents hypocrisy. In the name of devotion. The false guru, like Kisadanda said, she represents the false guru. False guru can be, of course, the Mayavadi. False guru. Cannot give you Krishna. The Buddhist guru cannot give you Krishna. They can give something not that lens of Braj-bhakti through which to view the world, such a charming picture. But Bhaktisiddhanta saraswati Thakura didn't stop there. He went within gaudiya Vaishnavism also. And he focused on this hypocrisy. And Putin very much represents this, in a sense. Coming as he did, appearing to be a great devotee, but in fact, she had a very uh, insidious uh, plan in mind. She was killing, wanted to kill devotion, kill the object of devotion. And so we should also know that it's better to be poor than a thief. So Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur and Bhaktivinoda also, they may have been harsh on worldviews, spiritual worldviews that came up short, in terms of delivering a result that in comparison to what Mahaprabhu gave was was meager they wanted that people would get what Mahaprabhu came to give not that they would become that for so much effort in spiritual life they would become waylaid in the, in the birajo or the, the brahma or go nowhere but think that they did this was their compassion they knew what was came to give. Once I remember one of my godbrothers mentioned to Srila Marsh that, uh, a godbrother, another godbrother of mine, named named, uh, um, Chutananda Maharaj, was he, Prabhupada sent him to Marsh when he was in India alone and in need of a siksha guru. Prabhupada wrote to him and said, you can go and live with Sridharmarsh. I accept him even as my own siksha guru. So you'll be in, in good hands, in his company. So he lived at the Mahat there. And Chittananda Maharsh used to give these really great classes. And if you look back, you can see, oh, it was his influence of Sridhar Maharaj. He gave his classes a certain kind of, kind of flair. Especially speaking about Gauri So at any rate, after Prabhupada left, Chittananda's devotion suffered to some extent. And he's not that active at this time, but sometimes he writes to me with appreciations for our publications and i take it actually as a, as a compliment from somebody who who is uh, actually a very good devotee although right now his his devotion is is not active and covered he didn't make any offense to any vaishnav Be very careful about that but at any rate he wrote a book and he was born in a jewish family his book was entitled autobiography of a jewish yogi you know there's a book called Autobiography of a Yogi that's very popular, written by Paramhansa Yogananda, it's, it's perpetually a best-seller, his story. So he thought to capitalize on that and tell his story. He sent me the manuscript actually at one time, but we weren't able to publish it for different reasons. At any rate, Siddharmarsh heard that he had written a book and, and Siddharmarsh kind of misunderstood and he said, Shutananda? did you become Jewish Yogi? How is it possible? He lived with me here. He's a disciple of Swami Marj Prabhupada. And he lived in Navadvipa and Mayapur. And he knows Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What is the teaching? How possible he could become Jewish yogi? How is it possible? Not that Jewish yogi is bad or anything. It's popular apparently. Madonna has popularized some form of that these days. Reading the Kabbalah, and I heard. But in comparison to what Mahaprabhu gave, we, we, there is some yardstick of objectivity which we can bring to bear on all of these things. If you want to know about a tradition, you ask two questions of the teacher. What is the sadhya, the goal, and what is the sadhana? What is the means? And then you have your yardstick of objectivity. Where does it go? What does it afford us? What, what experience? What, to what extent does it give us penetration into transcendence? And, of course, we're biased and that's why we're here and we, we have our own sectarian viewpoint and so forth. But I dare say there's a fair amount of objectivity which we can bring to bear as to why what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was given is revolutionary in a theistic world. Just a simple point that I like to make time and again. Every religious tradition tells us that God is the most worshipable object, but we are the only tradition that's speaking about the worshipable object of God. Who is the worshipful object of God? My poor Chandra. Radha. Radha. Si Radha. Yes. Right. Very good. This is a revolutionary idea. So we should be enthusiastic about it for good reason. Want to share it with other people for good reason. This is how Bhakti Siddhanta Sarshita talk felt. This is how Bhakti Vinod Thakur felt. And see how they tried to interface it with the modern world and how successful. They, we had the fruits, we had the evidence, the success for this. And in the course of doing so, they felt that it was important to stress that not only, but even more so, shall we be cautious not to be cheated and up poor with a religious or spiritual conception that leaves us far short of what and Mahaprabhu came to give. Not only should you not be poor, but more than that, you should be careful not to become a member of a band of thieves who think that they've got that high thing without actually taking all the trouble that it takes to go there, all the patience, all the trials, all the tribulations. They think they can get the fruit without taking the trouble to plant the seed and water and wait patiently for it to grow, that you could have a child immediately takes at least nine or ten months. All good things to take some time. Yes, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi spoke strongly, but we see behind that was a concern that people would get the uh, pure idea of, of Bhakti Vinod The That Chaitanya who came to, through Bhakti Vinod, came to give in a big way, to send beyond the limits, the boundaries of, India and so forth, as he did. No, no, you should be so proud to be members of the of the, Paribha, the family of Bhakti Bhaktivinoda, in the sense of which Mukti Sarasthi Thakkar was a member and talked about it and gave the name Bhakti Bhaktivinoda Paribha. So proud. What courage Bhakti Bhaktivinoda had, what, what standing in Gaudiya Vaishnavism to take on the task of interfacing this tradition with modernity. Now, if you look at some of the things he said and the way he did it, you might find, mm, I don't know if that works that well exactly. Like, for example, once he wrote about the Das Avatar, you know, Mina, the fish, and Kurma, the turtle, and Baraha, the boar, so from aquatic to reptile to beast, then Narasimha, Half man, half beast, then to, what, parasharam, barbarian, uncivilized man, this guess with these ten avatars, and from parasharam to, 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 to Vaman, dwarf man, to Ram, the perfect man, perfect king, to Balaram, and so forth. He talked about this in relation to what? Evolution. Darwinian evolution. He wrote about it. It's a kind (laughs) of—it's interesting. As you can see, there's some parallel. But if you you get really into Darwinism and so forth, certainly I'm not. But you kind of like—I'm not sure if it fits exactly (laughs) how that works. But. But he had the courage to talk about it like this and, 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 to, and to take modern ideas and, and try to find any value in them and then apply them in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. In other words, he had such standing in the tradition that he wasn't intimidated by that and so forth, just to go and hide in a cave and say, it's all my, uh, the whole Western world is all my, uh, and so forth. Our group has come and done this and given given credibility to Gaudiya Vaishnavism all over the world. We're continuing in that way. Prabhupada was one one person who like even his hiccups are on tape, you know, and he was asked about everything, every possible thing now people say well i don 't bother to ask my guru about those things he 's too absorbed in the praying bhakti and high things, to, but the fact that you' ask him he 'll also say, yeah sun, moon, closer, he 'll come up with the same same kind of answers and you know, for, the, for the most part about all types of things, as much as the teaching also comes through as we 've before uh, a cultural filter of, of sorts, but our—we should be so proud to be members of Bhakti Vinod Thakur's family. What it has done? How how courageous they were in Bhakti Siddhant Thakur to come and challenge the whole tradition, to give up hypocrisy, live up to the ideals of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and, and question imitation uh, devotees and so forth. Oh, and they would call him. Oh, he's a maid of Vaishnava so. I mean, if you look carefully at his criticism, there was a time when, when people thought that because they are members of the family of Nityananda Prabhu over so many generations, that regardless of their character, behavior, anything, you would be do good to drink their urine if they said so. This was going on. This is Kali Yuga, I can say strong. This is the influence of Kali Yuga that Gaudiya Vaishnavism should come under such an op- oppression and a distortion. And he stood up against that. He stood up against Putana, the first agent of Kamsa. That if if she is allowed to flourish, then what will what will happen? Imitation devotee, what is it? Then that would be like a thief. Better to be a poor man than a thief. And if you're going to go and steal that frame, means without any qualification. Oh, yes, the Mahāprabhu has come to give. He has no qualification whatsoever. He is giving to anyone and everyone. That's true. But what did he give to anyone and everyone? Namsankirtan, freely, to anyone and everyone. He told us, we heard the other day, with Hari Das and another who go door to door and preach this and encourage people to chant and cleanse their heart. Chaito darpanam marjanam. He gave up a whole progression in the Shikshastaka. When Bhaktisiddhanta Sastritaka was approached by some of his disciples who had a concern that after 10 years the highest things, Bhav and Prem, were not showing up in them, he heard their concern. He said, Oh, I'm relieved to hear your concern. If you had told me, now after 10 years we're very happy that we're getting the Prem, he would have said, Then I would have been worried that you really don't understand what this frame is, such a high thing. We should understand what a high thing and not be discouraged by that. Think, I'm a member of this. This is my ideal. To be any, have any connection with that is is a glorious thing. Not that we will just collect lots of information from the scripture about high topics and talk about that, and people will think we are very advanced and think they are also just about to enter into the kunj of, of Radha any moment and so forth. It doesn't work like that. No. That's why it's so good. That's why it's so high. That's why it's so valuable to be connected with that. Even in the smallest way, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, in Dweep, I've seen it. The is performing Nam Sankirtan eternally. And people may think that I'm important, I have something to contribute. But, I've had that vision, and what I see myself as, is a sweeper in front of the Sankirtan party with a broom. Sweeping the street as they come in advance. And Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, and I am a straw in the broom of Bhakti Vinod. When Prabhupada Manguru once criticized some of his godbrothers, he said, oh, they are all bell ringers. Only. Only simply doing archan, bhajan, life. Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Thakur related this to preaching. and Prabhupada was running the big printing press and distributing books everywhere and so forth. So at one point, of course he was very, his, even his criticisms, they were, they came as a reaction to less than supportive attitude on the part of some of his godbrothers for his efforts, which he thought were all just coming to him. The, 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 the successes were all coming to him by, by the grace of Bhakti saraswati Thakur. But at any rate, some of the God brothers then complained to Siddhamar, the Swami Marsh Prabhupada, he's calling us bell ringers. And Sridamar said, Oh, if you could be a bell ringer in his group, that'd be you'd be that'd be good. And that's rather a compliment. Uh, the kind of campaign that he's doing, kind of work, the service to Mahaprabhu, service to Gore, this will give us entrance to Krishna Lila. We wake up there. Focus your uh, your worship on Mahaprabhu, worship in Mayapur, live in Vrindavan. This is the magic of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy. And he himself went on sankirtan. He traveled, he preached. He just didn't sit down and do bhajan, no. Extensively for years, he traveled and preached and and taught us by that the importance of cleansing the heart, overcoming these anarthas and so forth. And this we should be careful about. As I said, it, almost better to be a poor person than a thief. Better to be a body. They're kind of thieves too, but but that's a different thing. But better to have, have no connection than to take the valuable thing and misconstrue it and distort it, become, a, in the language of Bhaktisadana, Sarasvathapara, sahajiya, who takes it cheaply the so Bhutana was like this, big hypocrite. She came in, and said, I have such devotion. And the real devotee said, oh, well, maybe. Big devotee. <laughs> Showing respect to everyone. Amanina, Amanadena. Is their attitude. She took the child to her breast, and Krishna took one look and closed his eyes. He could see through her mask, masquerade of devotion Krishna can't be fooled He's in the heart so he knows we only fool ourselves Krishna closed his eyes he closed his eyes because in the sense he thought another way to look at it as well she's pretending to be a devotee I'll take whatever devotion might be there that little part I'll accept that's also a possibility then he killed her sucking out her life air but some shadow of motherly affection was there in him and so he killed her and gave her love of god now this is extraordinary then she assumed her normal form which was quite large <laughs> and she went up into the air leaping kind of half trying to fly away and and then falling to the ground, and crushing so many trees, reaching all the way to practically to Mathura, to to the extended gardens of Kamsa, crashing down, and then Mother Dasyota, Rohini, others, they all became concerned. Where is where is the child in all of this? She ran out. They hurt Putina's arm was like a like a bridge. They walked up the arm to her chest, and there they found Krishna's sitting there on her, on her breast. And so they collected him up, brought him home, bathed him in, in cow dust and cow urine and other auspicious items, and then marked him with the tea lock in 12 places protecting his body. Madhya they, Yashoda they had a Krishna Kavacha that she invoked. It, it was given by Krishna to Brahma. Brahma gave it to Shiva. Shiva gave it to, to uh, Durvasa. Durvasa lived in the Braj, He gave it to Jashoda. It's uh, like a, a mantric armor, chanting the different names of the Lord in relation to different places and so forth and touching the body. And this way they tried to protect the child. And then, of course, everyone was relieved and so forth. And then suddenly someone, oh, where is the other one? Balram, in all of this, they ran to see where what he was safe in his cradle. Meanwhile, Nanda Marsh had met with Vasudev, and uh, hearing about the atrocities of Kamsa and so forth, and, and Vasudev inquired about how I, I heard that you you had a son. How is your son? Is he okay? And watch out now, and, and there could be some problems. Kamsa's making plans, and so. And as then Nandamara the was coming back, he sees this huge body and he thought, just see, these city people, they know things. He had some uh, mystic vision and it's a, he's a mystic Vasudev. He predicted sign, here it is. What is this? And they analyzed and so forth and they got back to the village and they heard the story and her huge body was so they engaged hundreds and thousands of cowherds and people who lived outside of the village also to come and cut up the body and (laughs) build huge cremation fires and so forth and uh, burning flesh is not the most appealing scent but it came out like a fragrant incense Krishna had by taking out her life, it purified not only her soul but her ugly body as well gave it a scent that was aromatic and went everywhere and this way they uh, any contact with Prjñānandana Krishna is, is auspicious in the long run. We shouldn't be an imitating devotee, but then again, the other side of it is, he's very he's very inclined towards any little bit of devotion whatsoever. So we should help other devotees so that they don't become hypocrites. They get the full blessing of Prjñānandana Krishna. Yes. Putana got a benediction. She became, she got a vatsalya bhakti. She became a nurse. But she was not living directly in, in the brudge. She went to Goloka. That's special. But she was not admitted now, still in the ultimate, in the inner circle of brudge. So we should make our approach to devotion to, to Krishna clean. We don't have no black marks on our... On our record, don't offend any Vaishnavas and be honest. Cultivate personal integrity. This is important. Are there any questions? Yes, Guru Maharaj, I'm wondering about hypocrisy. You, you mentioned that we have to be aware of that. Sometimes it seems that that, uh, like, well, if, if I'm thinking of myself, for example, I'm in our group here. I'm playing the role of, of the Brahmin, and doing the artists and things like that. And even though I know I'm I'm not so so much qualified. But but is is it then hypocrisy? what's where's the difference between hypocrisy and and uh, and then just not doing things in the name of not wanting to be a hypocrite. Yeah, in the name of not not wanting to be, be a hypocrite, just then saying that, well I'm not qualified for anything. I think that, of course, if we're asked to do something by our Guru, we expect something of us, then we never feel qualified. Prabhupada didn't feel qualified for what he did. He he said, I don't have any qualification, but I'm just trying to do what my Guru said, and All this is coming to me and so forth. So the other side of it is we'd be hypocritical not to acknowledge that, that something has been given to us, some insight, some knowledge, and if we don't acknowledge that and apply that then we will be guilty in a, in another way so we want to avoid that and with some humility we we'll go forward and take a position and um take some responsibility you know this thing you all have to take responsibility you like what i talk about that's why you're here but i'm just talking <laughs> You have to do something. If you if you like this idea and, and and to have it manifest, you have to participate. We can have a nice dynamic group. You all have to take responsibility. You can't only sit on the sidelines and Groomer said, Don't be a hypocrite, don't be a false renunciator and so forth. You have to come forward and think that he's encouraging us to do this so we don't feel qualified. But he's saying, Oh, enough you have enough qualification to do that, so take courage in that and and come forward. Still we feel ourselves I'm not qualified, but Maharaj says that's how I'm feeling. That's how Prophet was feeling. So we want to avoid that in in the name of being honest and not being hypocrite. I mean people say, To be honest I'm not a Brahmin, I take off this thread and and uh I went on stop chanting because my chanting is just nama an parod anyway, and so, and then it's counterproductive. Right? guru asked you to chant, but he didn't tell you to think that you were you were really qualified. When you start thinking, I'm really I'm really qualified. Just see, then we might be going on the other side. We think that I'm qualified by the mercy of my my guru and the Vaishnav to take some position. It's a good a fortune opportunity that's, that's come to me. Kamalaksha said to me today that, he said, I hope you'll, more or less, he said you forgive me, I have to leave in the middle of the class because I have to take the turn off the town and, and, uh, and so forth. And, and, you know, I'm quite busy because I'm managing, organizing, taking responsibility for thinking about everyone and, and everything. When I come to Audarya, he said, then then it would be different. I said, Oh, do you, do you think you won't? I won't give you anything to do there. He said, No, I th- think you will. I hope that you will. I expect that. But I won't be even responsible for everything that's going on. So he said, There's a difference. And I said, Yes. And one of the differences is that when you take responsibility, then you make progress. They will call your progress. Chidambari used to say, Take responsible service, and this will drive away. Uh, Maya, because even if the thoughts are there you can't do them because i'm in the position of responsibility now you understand so we will be intimidated by that we have to be, be a good example so the more we can take some responsibility for the mission of our of Mahaprabhu and our gurudev that will help us even though we may feel unqualified if everyone says i'm unqualified then, then what then we will do nothing to come forward and take some responsibility. And you find that Mahapu's backing will be there.